Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Nuclear Weapons, saving the world is always more dramatically fulfilling than just saving the girl. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Princeton Plainsboro Teaching Hospital. Come for your cough, stay for your misdiagnosed Erdheim-Chester disease. Welcome to the vessel. I am Wes. I'm Todd. And this is a show where a couple of filmmakers who've been around the block a little bit like to diagnose and dissect a film. And I I kind of like juxtaposing that intro about, you know, saving the girl with the film we're doing today, which is The Hunger Games. Because so often I think women get relegated to these diminished roles where they're tied to the railroad tracks and um, they don't really have a hand in their own salvation. And so taking on something with a strong female character uh, has been, you know, a systematic thing we've been doing the last few episodes. And we have this episode and another one to come where we're still kind of looking at that. And I like anything that tries to get away from a trope, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not always easy to do because as you know, society keeps going and falling more in love with movies, it becomes easier for a filmmaker to go and say, Hey, there's a demographic that we can reach. And so they no longer have to appeal to, you know, the four quadrants or whatever, where, Mm -hmm. you know, every action movie has to be a guy saving the day because you're trying to appeal to, you know, teenage white kids. And it's like, no, you know, there's, there's a, bigger audience out there if uh especially i think if some if more filmmakers or studios at least would take a take a risk and you know trust an auteur or an artist to to make something a little more different than what you see in the mainstream yeah um this uh i was really excited to watch this again and i had seen it before but for that aspect specifically the the strong female character i was really interested to see how they did it from that point of view, because yeah. the first time I watched it, I wasn't watching it yeah, as like a, a woman power movie. movie. It yeah. was just like, yeah, this, this fun comic book movie almost, yeah. you know, like, like it was, it was almost like the anti twilight. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good thing definition for, me, for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, in, in so many ways, including the, the heroine, mm-hmm. you know, oh, aspect. Right. You know, Oh my God. Yeah. There's so many reasons that I don't like Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a whole pestle in yeah, itself. It really is. Well, can we please not do? I don't. I, I so want to do one. And yeah, just well, get stoned while we do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about I'll just sit out that episode. Okay. You find someone else to. Uh, I'll just trip balls to co-host. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or just do it by yourself. You know, I'll just imagine me there. Right. I like. Shut that. up, Todd. <laughs> Uh, all right. So that said, spoiler alerts galore. So if you have not seen The Hunger Games, pause this episode, go go watch it, and then come back and uh, and listen to what we have to say and maybe uh, give us a little bit of feedback of what you think as well. Heck yeah. We're yeah. going to talk about a lot of things. We'll talk about camera work. You know, why is there so much handheld? Um, we'll discuss Katniss as a character, uh, touch on set design, and uh, we'll also talk about something called the Kuleshov effect. Um, hmm. and other such stuff and things and stuff and things. Uh, so a quick synopsis of the film, Katniss Everdeen voluntarily takes her younger sister's place in the hunger games, a televised competition in which two teenagers from each of the 12 districts of Pan Am are chosen at random to fight to the death directed by Gary Ross screenplay by Gary Ross, Suzanne Collins and Billy Ray, uh, based on the novel by Suzanne Collins 
Cinematography by Tom Stern. I like that we're throwing that in there. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Starring Jennifer Lawrence as Katniss Everdeen, Josh Hutcherson as PETA, Woody Harrelson as Hamish, Stanley Tucci as Caesar, Wes Bentley as Seneca Crane, Elizabeth Banks as Effie, Lenny Kravitz as Cinna, and Amanda Stenberg as Rue. You can't tune out again. No, you can't. Not like when Dad died. I won't be there anymore. You're all she has. No matter what you feel, you have to be there for her. Do you understand? Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't. Don't. Sorry. It's okay. Grim, it's okay. It's okay. No! no! Oh. I promise, Grim. I am. Listen to me. You're stronger than they are. You are. Get to a bow. They may not have... Well, if you show them how good you are. They just want a good show. That's all they want. If they don't have a bow, then you make one, okay? You know how to hunt. Animals. It's no different, Gavin. There's 24 of us, Gail. Only one comes out. Yeah. And it's gonna be you. Okay. Take care of them, Gail. Whatever you do, don't let them starve. Let's go. I'll see you soon, okay? I really like that scene because it just reminds you of the stakes of everything. Yeah. The the intensity of not just the conversation she's having with her mother, who's been completely checked out of reality since you know their father died, but also just the small conversation she has with Gail there at the end, right? Like, don't let them starve. Yeah. Uh, so can I? I'm really glad you picked this. I, I kind of wish you would have pulled the sh- the earlier shot of her talking to her mother because mm. for me that was that was the movie. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Like, I mean, uh, you got half of it. Yeah. So the 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 Gale part at the end was the other half of the movie. It was her telling her mother, "Get your shit together because I'm not going to be here to pick up your your what's fallen on the ground. You know what you drop." Right. It's it's you or you got and you guys you gotta take care of her or you guys will starve. Right. So get your shit together. And then it was it was Gail and she's begging him. So she's telling her mother, get your shit together. She's begging Gail to help because she can't do anything. And I think that that like to me that was the most effective part of the entire movie. So I'm really glad she picked that. Um, because that was gonna be the first thing that I said. Honestly, it really wow. was because it's it's pretty early on in the film before all the fantastical, mm-hmm. you know, garbage that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> started happening for me. And so I was still in it. I was in this world and it was still kind of a recognizable world, but it was obviously the future or a, a different planet or, or some different dimension, whatever. Um, but uh, I was still in it and relating to it. And so all of the deliveries were very important still in because they weren't very fantastical right they didn't have to be it was still like very much acting the way you and i would act off of each other if we were in a scene so um in that particular one was like man that is jennifer lawrence at you know at her finest that's that is the scene where she got this role because of that scene you know what i mean totally like yeah because any other actor could have done any of the other stuff i feel like you know (laughs) 
Yeah, and it's such an important thing whenever you're trying to build up, you know, this fantasy world like this um, or science fiction world that is filled with all this interesting technology and, you know, screwed up circumstances that you ground it first with a drama. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. they do good to point. your exact point. Like that's all they're doing in that scene is making sure we understand the emergency that she is going through right now because she's, she's effectively thrown her life away. There's no way she's walking out of this alive and she's making sure her sister's taken care of. Yeah. Like she, I'm sure she cares about her mom, but to some extent that's, you know, here nor there, it's making sure her sister lives mm-hmm. because at the same time, like what was he, what would be the point of, you know, even entering the games if she doesn't make sure her sister's okay anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Oh, but yeah, I love, I love, I think you're absolutely right because she is on the one hand telling her mother, Hey, get it together and take care. But this is one of those trust and verify situations (laughs) (laughs) because she makes an alternate plan B right there on the spot. Right. Exactly. She's like, cause she doesn't trust her mother at all. She's so clever. Yeah. And I also, I love, you know, speaking about her mother and her family home, I love the way they use some of the imagery towards the end whenever she's stung by the tracker jackers and she's going through these uh, hallucinations and we see the, uh, her father or these coal miners go down the, uh, the shaft or whatever, the coal mine, mm-hmm. and then the explosion happens. But then we also see her house explode. And then come back together because that's so symbolic. Like her father died and it it destroyed her household. Yeah. Even though on a symbolic level, obviously. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, I don't know, subtle and clever things that they did without kind of banging you over the head with it. And I felt like they really, from this film's point of view, the book is another story, but from the film's point of view, like I felt like they really respected us as an audience, even whenever they're giving us Katniss and Peta's backstory. Yeah, they never really super spell it out. We just slowly get this trickle of information about how PETA helped her survive. Yeah. And I don't know, one bad moment. And it's one of those things we talk about all the time. Give the audience a little credit (laughs) to figure things out. (laughs) Yeah. And they do that. Like the first, I I mean, at least third, if not uh, close to half of this movie, I feel very, you know, grounded. You know, it's not so it's fantastical, but not crazy and it's very but um um, it's very heavy on story you know which i really enjoyed so overall what did you feel like i don't know the i don't remember what you thought after the first time seeing it but it was just i remember it kind of being this popcorn throwaway it was fun like yeah on with the rest of my day but yeah what's your what's your feeling like do you did you enjoy this kind of movie or is this going to be like eh, i can take it or leave it um man. <laughs> so I had a lot of problems with this movie. Interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't, like I said, the the first, I'm going to give it half, even though it's probably more than it was probably more like a third, but I'll just say the first half of it. I really, you know, I was invested in the characters. They really developed everybody, even PETA who comes in late, you know, mm-hmm. like I, they develop her, like you said, her, his relationship with her a, a little bit, you know, but I had a, I just had a real, real problem from the very start that I was able to put in the back of my mind until about halfway. Uh, why this was even a f- thing, man? Like, what is the point of the of the Hunger Games? Like, what is so that they don't revolt? Like, why would they? Why would they not revolt? Like, the, you know, like who wants their child to go? You know, 
fight to the death. Like no way. Like I would, I would revolt and get killed and everyone else would too. Like it doesn't make any sense unless you can tell me why, which I'm sure you probably can because you probably have notes. But the whole time I'm sitting here like, why is this even a thing? You know? And, and I understand it could be a metaphor, a metaphor for like, I don't know, MMA or boxing where we just, we want to see people kill each other or football, you know what I mean? American football. We want to see people kill each other and we'll pay money to do it. And, but they're not really doing that, you know, and they're paying those players and those players make a lot of money or those fighters make a lot of money. And like, it doesn't, it just, when it really got serious, when it was, you know, them in the, like they come off the train and, and, you know, they're, and they're in the, they're wearing the fire clothes and stuff going down. I'm just like, what is the point? Who would actually do this? You know, uh, no one. And I get it. And usually I have no problem having suspension of disbelief. None at all. But this time, for some reason, I just could not get past it. I felt like, like the whole thing was based off of bullshit. Like this wouldn't, in no world would this, would any community ever let this happen. So you have to give me a better reason as to why. Yeah, I can't give you that. Like, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that I, maybe not you, but the, the yeah. movie, yeah. Has, no, I, except I, for mm-hmm. the very beginning when right. they say, this is why the hunger games, even that was weak as shit, man. It was like, because like the hunger Games stopped these revolts. Like why would that ever happen? That doesn't make any sense. And so because of that, like the whole rest of the movie, when it does get fanatical, fantastical and you know, the hunger games start and all this is going on. I'm like, I just don't, I just don't understand. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out like what this could be a metaphor for. And I similar to you. I don't, I didn't come away with any strong thing. I think you could probably, insert your own and to some degree sometimes that works really well for films but in this case it doesn't because it's such a specific circumstance i felt like yeah okay you could you could say this is what it means to be a child growing up and coming into adulthood um and in some ways you you die in the process of you know becoming an adult or whatever and you know someone wants to stand against what it means to be an adult I don't know. Uh, I mean, That's it's a stretch. Yeah, it's a big stretch. Uh, there's, you know, the more obvious, simple, I mean, it's not even symbolism. It's pretty direct. Just this idea of overthrowing uh, a, t- a tyranny, a, a government that is, you know, whether it's nationalistic or just um, too powerful and controlling, you know, a despot kind of situation. And I think that's kind of what it comes down to is uh, Suzanne Collins, the writer, like the idea of I want to see uh, a woman overthrow an empire. Yes. Yes. And how how can we you know start this? Um, and so she she did. She created uh-huh. a, a high concept idea, and I think probably backed her way into it. Now, totally. And I think I'm she has that. a history for it. I do think she has a history for it that is still sketchy. It's a young adult novel, so there's definitely, you know, <laughs> some stretching going on. But I think that is the idea is, you know, you lost and now everyone who fought against us now has to watch your children die every year. Yeah. To- I, I get that. I totally do. But give me a better like foundation for that. Like yeah. that's the thing. Like I'm, I love overthrow government stories. V for Vendetta, yeah. one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I like, you know, you know that, but that's gr- a grounded, 
you know, thing. It, I mean, okay. In the same breath that I'm saying this would never happen. I know the Holocaust happened. Right. And, mm-hmm. and people let that, not only did they let that, they, they like, you know, like bolstered it. They, they helped the Nazis. I, I get that. But this was, this is like different. This is like, uh, man, I don't, I don't even. Well, I mean, they are drawing a lot on Nazi imagery, right? Right. Yeah. They very much are. Yeah. And maybe it's because, and I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to throw yeah. something out here, you know, so they're broke, they're broken them up into, into sectors, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, districts. One, districts. Yeah. One, two, three or whatever, you know, maybe that's to keep them small enough groups to, to manage, you can control, to control yeah. mm-hmm. right? I guess, I guess I, I get that because, you know, that's like the concentration camps, you know? Yeah. Um, may, I mean, maybe that's just it. Yeah. Maybe that's I, think, just it. I think that's as simple as it gets. And then, you know, you, you design an idea of, well, what's a way that we could at the same time control people and let them know who's still in power yeah and also give them a a glimmer of hope and if you make it entertainment then maybe you feel this is kind of a caesar bread and circuses to you know distract you from your actual misery Uh and so i think it's playing on all these ideas as a way to get this really high concept off the ground yeah and they they could set it up better right yeah i mean yeah i'm gonna say that that's it and i totally get that and now if i you know, if I go watch it again, I probably maybe like, no, I probably wouldn't like it, it, it still, but they, they just, they set it up very weakly and it's, yeah. it, it was frustrating. Personally, I like the, I like it from the overall concept of, cause you know, I'm, I'm very uh, I don't know, libertarian, I guess. And so this idea of fighting against an all controlling government yeah. really appeals to those sensibilities of, you know, overreach and, uh, fighting for liberty and just the right to decide your own life and course of events. So that kind of thing really appeals to me. And I, yeah, I never, I've never really had that big of a problem. It does creep in. Like I've thought about it and I've tried to reason it out. And I think you're right. They could have set it up better somehow. I also think it's a very first person perspective throughout the film. And especially in the books, it's all told from Katniss's mind. It's you're never getting these perspectives of Seneca Crane talking to, I don't know, whoever the head honcho is. You never get those perspectives in the book. And I love that the film made this way better than the book. This is one of those rare occasions where the book was super mediocre and they adapted it and turned it into something much better than what it should have been. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was encouraging. I I did I do that sometimes where I'll I'll read a book and then watch the movie and just see what they chose to adapt or not. Now I I haven't read this in over a year, so all those thoughts are gone. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. But it was inter- it's an interesting case study of wow, they this is one of those times where the writing was just okay. There's some really good ideas in there and they elevated it through, you know, film. And here's how to engage with this character and make you care about her and everyone she cares about on top of that. So yeah, I was, I'm pretty happy with it. Like I'm, when it comes to this kind of thing, I don't know. I, I don't mind a good popcorn movie and I somehow can stretch along with it. I'm like, yeah, okay, this is where we're at. Let's just go from there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, I wasn't. <laughs> That's fine. Just, no, no, no. no. Oh, if it's and bothering the, you throughout the movie, that's a real it's concern. It's really bothering me. And, and, and her and PETA, like, I don't get it. Like, I'm sorry. I, I don't understand. Well, there really isn't a her and PETA. That's all a, an act 
to try to keep themselves alive. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because even at the end, I mean, you see uh, Haymitch trying to tell Katniss, like, hey, you better sell this thing or else they're, they're going to tear you apart. Like, you, you need to make them believe that you could not live without this boy in your life. And so it's a, it's a total sales pitch to not just, not necessarily to the capital, but to the people of the capital. Because yeah, if yeah. everyone buys it, then there's no, there's less chance of a, an, an upsurge or whatever, a revolt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know I, 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 I get that, you know, I, I remember that scene and of them, of him telling them to, to ham it up, but he doesn't, you know, when, when he goes before the hunger games start, when he goes on the talk show and he he says that he likes her and she gets mad at him oh, and, sure. and, and it's like, it's like, now you tell me whatever there's, it's obvious there that there's something there. One, he doesn't say, I'm just doing it for oh, looks. He feels, uh, and two, she's mad. Why the why would she be mad if she didn't feel the same way? Like, why would it bother her that that he likes her, that he's just said that he likes her? I think that's a part of her character design that she's impulsive and emotional. And in that instance, she felt like she was being manipulated um, for his own gain. She didn't believe him because it's such a random thing. If It's one of those things as kids, you might have a crush on someone and because you have a crush, you never talk to them. But if several years later you find out someone had, you know, has really had a huge crush on you for all this time, you're like, what are you talking about? This person never even speaks to me. It would be this weird. And then to have that happen in that circumstance, I think for her was a bit of a trigger is the, the writing justification. (laughs) It's still a little odd. I agree with you because she goes over the top with, uh, with that reaction. I'm just saying what I see. What I see is that she felt something for him too, and that's why she got upset that he admitted on on camera that he liked her. Maybe I also think that for her, the whole idea of romance doesn't even really even exist in her world. She's so focused on survival from day to day before the Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah. All she's thinking about is living. The last thing in the world she's thinking about is marriage and dating. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I get and, that. And so it's a very foreign concept, uh, and then to suddenly have that kind of pressed upon you like that um, is probably jarring to yeah. say the least. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. I, I do like the, I know we're only talking about the first one too. So. Yeah. Um, you know what? My favorite scenes are probably is the interaction between her and Cinna. Like Lenny Kravitz, I thought was fantastic. Oh, he's amazing. Um, came yeah. out of nowhere. Like, yep. I don't know where yep. else he's been acting, but geez, yep. he's incredible. And yeah, the scenes between those two are just so, understated and sincere like mm-hmm. um he his apology to her when they first meet he's like i'm sorry this is happening to you like yeah i uh, wouldn't wish this was on, on anybody you know it's just it catches you off guard because you get into the capital and everyone seems bloodthirsty and there there's this weird attitude towards the games of everyone is just kind of there to watch you die yeah and you're supposed to you know smile and and it's this interesting ecosystem that they built around the games because on the one hand, you might say, well, why don't they, you know, just get violent and upset with everyone around them? But it's too, for one, they would just get killed. 
But for two, the more likable you are, the maybe you can win over some people, uh, whatever sponsors, mm-hmm. to help you win and survive in the games. And so there's this interesting little economy that's set up around the Hunger Games to kind of keep everyone in check along the way. Yeah, uh, which is which is fun. Yeah, <laughs> to an extent, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> All right, well... So why is there so much handheld? (laughs) (laughs) Which at times was nauseating. Like, it was like... I don't don't complain about handheld. Yeah. I love handheld. I I prefer it, honestly, in a lot of ways. But there was a lot of times it was just like, God, Lee, just slow down. I can't see... I can't make anything out. Yeah. Well... There's a lot of reasons. I mean, it's a lot of handheld, a lot of close-ups. For one, going back to the original point, it really grounds the world in a sci-fi way without it feeling super sci-fi. Like, the Mm -hmm. more grounded you are, the more caught up you are in the drama and the less you're thinking science fiction and you know technology which really helps sell you know that this is a a less glitzy more gritty uh, dystopian this isn't a good place Um, it sells the the harshness of it and so there's no smoothness to the camera movement and it helps uh keep everything rough and bumpy to symbolize what the characters are dealing with it's intimate it's personal it connects us more dramatically to the characters in a relatable way, but it and, and it's almost uh, documentary like. It feels like they're just covering the things that are happening. It's inspired and in the moment, right? Yeah, we're we're not composing super careful shots, even though they are. They're like we're going to get this thing, yeah. but the way it comes across is it feels very spur of the moment. Oh, we're just kind of panning up as she grabs this thing, and we're cutting to a shot another from her shoulder up to her face. It just feels very sporadic and and offbeat which helps you know take away from the sophistication of the world and that's a good thing and i also love that it's shot on film and which adds this gritty extra texture to it also helping you know ground us instead of shooting this on digital right that would feel too new but instead setting it in the future but giving it this filmic you know historical kind of texture it makes it feel like an actual place that we're just kind of seeing a history of it um, and that's really smart. That's but cool. it's also because it's shot largely from her perspective. Like when she's in the tree, we're looking at people from above. You know, when she's seeing these people walk by and have these conversations. And we're just kind of when she first get like her first night in the games and they're all kind of, you know, walking down beneath her looking for her. We're shooting. We're seeing her them from her perspective. Even when we get into those, you know, mediums and close-ups, they're still from this high-up angle, and that's kind of a signal that the movie is being told from her perspective. Mm. And same thing when she's running and looking around, the view gets incredibly shaky because that's her perspective on what's happening. Which I'll dive into later. That that opening sequence of the games itself. But this is also, I think, reflective of the books being a first-person style, being written in that style, and it's trying to stay true to that in some way. And it also makes sense to go in these tighter close-up shots because it restricts our field of view, makes you know more tension about what we're not seeing. So, not knowing what else could be out there is another way to kind of ramp up the the intensity and the tension for the viewer because you're not telling them everything that's out there. Uh, to some degree, I think it might be somewhat easier shooting style. Like if you miss a focus pull, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> True, <laughs> you know you'll get it. It'll come back in, and it just still plays into that organic texture that they're going for. And altogether, I think it just adds a surreal quality, 
which lets us empathize with Katniss as a reluctant and disoriented heroine. Like this isn't the fight she chose. She's been thrust there and it's, that's a real surreal scenario. Touching on some of the set design, District 12 is interesting because we start out in this very desaturated, drab, glum area. The clothes are ugly and basic, bland. It's very depressed. There's hardly any color at all. Even the blues are muted and and kind of desaturated, which, of course, contrasts perfectly with the oversaturation of the capital, right? It's thriving and without worry. It's overflowing with vibrancy and life. All these colors, which is surrounded is surrounding like these very Nazi-esque facades and uh, the banners. They all come across as this nationalistic thing, which of course plays into the whole tyrant, despot, enslaved nature of the story. Uh, By recalling all these historical visuals, it helps us emotionally connect with the world we're in. So it's just kind of a a fast forward button to our emotions. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah, we know what this is and we hate it. Like all yeah. these people we immediately dislike that, that it did a very good job at mm-hmm. making me hate all those people. Like, <laughs> in a, I mean, in a good way, you know, like they, yeah, they, yeah, it did a good job of that. Served this purpose very, very well to touch on Katniss for a minute. She's interesting. Uh, she's emotional and principled. She's a woman of action, right? She takes her sister's place. And generally, she only does what she wants. I mean, she can take mm-hmm. advice, right? She just really struggles to follow it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when they're in the training center and PETA is kind of getting mocked because he's bad at whatever he's doing at the moment. And she's like, you know, take that whatever, that throwing device, that big 150-pound thing, and throw it over, you know, and throw it. And he's like, well, Hamish said I shouldn't show him my strengths. She's like, I don't care what Hamish said. Those guys are looking at you like you're a meal. Throw it. Um, which, of course, I think helped him stay alive in the games because that allowed him to form the little whatever uh, coalition with, with the, the mm-hmm. careers, mm-hmm. as they're called, which I kind of like that name. I like that. It's a smart name in a world filled with weird Hamish and all these odd, odd names. Um, I like all that. The yeah. scene where that happened was so high school. Yeah. We're like, come on, man. Which is another, I think you could say this is all symbolism for high school too. Like, yeah, but it was like bad high school. It was like, Hey, go, yeah, no, you got to go throw that. And he just walks over and he throws it and it knocks over a bunch of stuff. And they're like, Hmm, huh? Maybe he's not a meal now. Huh? Impressive. Like that shit does not happen, man. Like I get that. It's, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm trying to, I don't want to hate, but man, there's so much campiness. I hate these, these campy high school movies that that like makes me feel like, like I was, I know I was stupid in high school. We all were, but you don't have to show me in a movie how stupid I was. You know, I, I dress it up a little, dress it up a little bit with (laughs) cinematography, with like movie magic or whatever. I don't know. Better act. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> anyway, sorry. Anyway, so another thing about Katniss, like her passion and lack of deference is what makes her eminently likable, I think. Like sincerity is really attractive in people, which is interesting because it's her lack of charisma uh, that makes her like honest. She doesn't hide her emotions very well at all, but that's what allows her to come across so sincerely. And overall, I mean, I think... That's a really good message of being yourself to be likable. Don't try to impress people. And maybe an especially good message for women who I feel like, you know, 
throughout film and television are constantly kind of reinforced to be statues and just scenery for the rest of the real events, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's really cool. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, I like that she's clever. Like she's outsmarting the capital to stay alive and save PETA. And she also never kills anyone that she isn't forced to. Mm-hmm. And she never kills anyone we dislike yeah. or uh, that we like that we like. Yeah. Right. She doesn't have to kill Rue or Foxface or Rue's friend that saved her life. And I, for me, I mean, I think that's, you know, better writing. We want to root for Katniss and, you know, against the capital and the games. And this is all just unjust and gross. And so she's being put into an impossible situation where she has to kill people to survive. And she's finding a way around that. And those are the that's what really strikes strikes me about Katniss is that generally a strong character, man or woman, is strong through their choices, through their decisions and normally that's that's a very proactive thing but in this circumstance contextually her action her strong action is to not take action yeah it's to not do something mm-hmm. and that's pretty mm-hmm. cool because it would be a little bit easier i guess if she was going down and hunting the careers but she's really just trying to avoid participating in this uh, bloodbath it would defeat her character it would as a whole if she were to do that yeah absolutely and so I kind of, I like that. I like, I, I like that too, a lot. Diving into some of the scenes and editing, um, we're about to get to one of my favorite things, uh, which I've been wanting to talk about for forever. I just keep forgetting. So the, the game's beginning, right? Uh, I love the scene where she's about to get into the tube and it's her and Senna. And man, her performance there, she's just so afraid. And she's in this shell shock, you know, state and she's selling it so well i mean she's just a fantastic actress but i love the way you know she almost doesn't know how to move anymore and she's just trying to figure out how do i get into that tube because if she doesn't she's automatically dead Mm -hmm. and so it's a lose-lose situation as soon as the the tube shuts it goes silent like we're hearing from her point of view like there's there's no sound and overall, there's just a great use of audio to enhance the surreal experience of it all, right? We drown out all the ambient audio. There's no ambience. Uh, it's just sound effects and music only. And not sound effects and like, oh, we're, we're seeing, you know, hearing the, the sound of blood being spilled or whatever. It's like these odd ringing noises and like you can hear the dissonance going on in her head right now of what the hell is happening in her life. And it's just very impactful to me, especially when combined with all these really quick cuts, the close-ups. It's violent, it's fast, it's chaotic, it's confusing, it's brutal, and it's bloody to some extent. But I think that's also the cleverness of shooting in the style is you're using all these other techniques instead of showing someone's arm getting cut off. Like this is still whatever PG 13 movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also feel the violence. There's blood and there's reactions and you're seeing little kids get, you know, 12 year olds getting butchered up. And the implication is so strongly there. You, you never actually have to see it. I love that she bumps into Fox face and we have our first real confrontation. Mm-hmm. Like they're both afraid of what comes next and you see it in their faces. Like, do we fight right now? No, we're not interested. Yeah. And they just scramble. Uh, and that that all worked really well for me because it's so emotionally engaging. And we're just curious, how does she choose to survive right now? And that's literally what she chooses. She's like, I'm just going to survive. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to hold out, which I'm cool with. I love the uh, 
the supplies being bombed at the uh, the cornucopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar thing, right? Um, good use of the the audio effects and the explosion, kind of blowing her back. Uh, but also like the use of the, like the rack focusing with the explosion with the uh, the concussive explosion, because it's this disorienting thing, and suddenly she can't quite make out what yeah. is happening right now, and just kind of creating that empathy, empathetic uh, language, cinematic language, uh, really helps us understand and relate to exactly what she's dealing with and why she's not on her feet and running again. Because guess what? If you get knocked over by an explosion, you're not just going to jump right up, you know, uh, two yeah. seconds later. Right. You need to recover. Yeah. Um, and that, of course, when we're cutting back and seeing the other characters creep back in, is adding some more tension because you're like, okay, okay, you got to get, get, get up. You got to get, get going. Just get to the woods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just having that visual language to sell you on why she's not doing that. Mm-hmm. I think it's super critical or else you're just annoyed with the character. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. I also like that it's the apples that are kind of the central focus of her and seemingly the, the, the setup itself. Because, I mean, biblically, apples are the forbidden fruit is mm. the way we kind of think of it. And so she takes what they're trying to tempt her with, right? Hey, walk over here and die. <laughs> and she uses it to destroy their own supplies. Um, and so it's just this very you know, subtle and interesting use of, they could have made that anything. Yeah, she could have just sure. shot one of the explosives, but to you know start to build on something else more interesting. It, yeah, I think is pretty cool, and to heighten her abilities with the bow. Yeah, exactly. That's you a know. great point. Going into a little bit of the editing, I like the use of jump cuts. You don't see them a ton in films, but it really helps you know give you the erratic nature of the games. And if you don't know what a jump cut is, it's basically where you're not really changing an angle. So like. An angle is anywhere where the camera's set and you're not, and let's say you have a person sitting in your frame from uh, the chest to the top of their head. That's your, that's your angle. Well, you're, a jump cut is effectively, you're not really changing the angle. You're just kind of jumping forward in time. And normally that was, that's kind of an off-putting thing. But in this case, they're kind of using it to show in various situations, especially during the tracker jack scene when she's kind of losing consciousness that she's struggling with time right now there's uh there's a displacement in her head about what is happening and so using these jump cuts kind of creates an erratic uh visual effect to once again empathize with what she's dealing with lastly this is um my favorite thing and this is such a small moment in the film that i'm going to like blow up and turn into a big thing <laughs> but it's a reaction shot when they're in the cave with Peta, Peta and katniss and she kisses Peta. We cut back to District 12 whenever, with everyone watching the games. And this is one of the only times we see District 12 until, you know, during the games. And we see that Gail sees it and reacts to it. Right? He has this, he, he just notices it and he looks back down and goes back to work. And it's such a subtle thing because doing that, we, we get the feeling that he's getting his heart broken. He just watched her kiss someone else, and now it's like, oh, wow. So for one, we're understanding there was like uh, an attraction on his part, and we understand there's now a bit of a love triangle that's developing. And what's happening there is cutting two images together implies a relationship between the images, and it's based on the context that we add our own interpretation to it. That's kind of the entire basis of editing at all is to imply whether you're going from a a wide shot to a close-up of the same person, 
you're you're implying that this all happened consecutively. That's the very foundation of editing. But in another way, you can imply a relationship between what would otherwise be completely, you know, disassociated images. And to put a label on this, this is called the Kuleshov effect. There is this Russian filmmaker who demonstrated Okay, so this guy, this is Russian filmmaker, right? And he's like, I'm going to show a guy's face. And he's just going to be static. He's stoic. He's just doing nothing. And now I'm going to cut to a shot of a bowl of soup. Then I'm going to cut back to this guy. And the audience is more like, man, that guy's so hungry. He is just starving. Man, he's a good actor. And then he showed the shot of this guy. And then a girl in a coffin. And then you cut back to the guy. And they're like, oh, man, he's so sad. <laughs> he's so depressed. Look at him. See what an amazing going. performance. Yeah. You know, and it's this beautiful way of, and, and in reality, by the way, those were the same four shots of him doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. Same shots. <laughs> same shots. And it's just, you're implying, you're inserting this idea by connecting these two images together into the audience. And I use this thing since day one, since I've been directing, I've been, uh, since I've been editing, I've been doing this. Like the very first thing I edited back in like 2004 was almost a music video about racism. And I was just finding whatever I could. Cause in 2004, there just wasn't a lot of video out there for me to grab. There was no YouTube, plenty of racism, plenty of racism. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just grabbing whatever I could and figuring out how do I tell a story? And a lot yeah. of it came down to what two images can I put next to each other uh, chronologically to imply how someone feels about another thing. And it was just an exercise. And at the time, I had no, I didn't know what a Kuleshov was. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I understood that I could make people think what I wanted them to think by combining an edit uh, with two different images. That's, Very cool. Yeah. I really yeah. like that. I mean, it's something to think about whenever you're watching something that you feel, you know, emotionally engaged with. And you're like, well, why do I feel that way? Or Could, whether you're editing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you just add in a little music, you're pretty much done. Like now you're, you're emotionally engaging them with the music saying, this is, this is sad. This is, you know, a piano and it's, it's low notes piano, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and you're just, now you're showing them someone who's frowning. And I, all the time in my filmmaking, I use this idea whenever I feel like I don't have time to let an actor explore a scene. I'm completely manufacturing everything about this scene and I'm going to tell them, here's what I want you to do now here. Do this. Cool. I got this in editing. <laughs> like I'll make this. I'll, yeah. I'll make it work. Yeah. But if I can get the visual characteristics that convey a certain emotion, I can easily imply whatever I want to imply yeah. in post. Very cool, man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember that shot. What it's, was his reaction? So it's a pretty wide shot of him, actually. Like, yeah. I want to say it's a medium wide, if not just a straight up wide. And I, I don't know what he does for a living, if he's like a butcher or a leather worker or something. But he's in a shop in, in this marketplace with a bunch of other people. And we see him. They cut to the shot of uh, them kissing. Them kissing. Then they cut back to him. And that literal thing is what I use all the time um but what was his reaction he looked up and then he just looked down and went back right. to work like at best he furrowed his brows a little bit but he doesn't say anything we don't you know we don't even linger beyond that hmm. it's just a quick in and out it's it's clever so do you think that that 
Do you think that he knew what was going on? He knew what she was doing? That's a good question. That she, like, oh, this is an act. She's trying to survive, and this is how she's doing it. I think maybe. I think he's a little bit aware of that, uh, knowing her. And I think at the same time, he's doubting his place in her life. Like, that's a really big confluence of emotions because he's like, on the one hand, got to be thinking, and this is the cool thing is I'm injecting all of this into the scene. Sure. Um, and he's thinking, okay, well, yeah, she needs to do whatever she needs to do in order to get back home. Can't be with a dead woman. Yeah. Um, at the same time, he's like, God, but, you know, are they falling in love out there? So there's all these, all this doubt that happens as well as, yeah, it's a mixture of confusion and uh, screwed up emotion. Huh. All right. But I love that I can, you know, completely assume all those things based on nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> based on them inserting them kissing uh, and him watching, yeah. which is what I really love to do in writing. I don't want to say this person is jealous in my writing. Like a screenplay, because the important thing is in film, generally the rule is show, don't tell. Yeah. And how do you make someone uh, look jealous? Well, you show what they're looking at. How do you make them want something? You show what they're looking at. So you cut, yeah. you show them, you show the thing that they're looking at, then you cut back to them. Now you've immediately implied this person wants this thing, whatever it is. Yeah, simple, very, very simple, completely underutilized with a lot of short filmmakers. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. What, um, Interesting. So what about uh, you have in here too about set design? You wanted to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, we touched on that earlier with the, uh, like the Nazi. Oh, um, that. Yeah. Okay. Stuff. Right. And what else was it? Oh, the, yeah. The desaturation and whatnot. Gotcha. Cause that's, that's the interesting thing about set design is a lot of the coloring people get fascinated. Filmmakers get fascinated with, man, how'd they get this color effect? Well, you know what you do is you buy the wardrobe that looks like the color you want. <laughs> like they used to do in the old days, you know, don't stop trying to make everything look a certain way in post. Yeah. Yeah. Design it, design it that to way. look a certain way. Yeah. And then it does. And now everything you do in post is just enhancing. Yeah. Wardrobe is so underutilized. It, it drives yeah, me crazy. Right. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know what to think about the, this, this movie as a whole, because I feel like there's such great moments and there's such great, there's great performances. There's great camera work. There's awesome directing. There's great set design. There's uh, I, I love the the audio, uh, the way they play with that a lot. I love the interaction between a lot of the characters. And then there's these moments that are just just god awful, that completely take me out of it. And I mean, to the uh, and maybe it's just me in the way that I uh, view movies like this. I, I feel like. I feel like I can take a little bit of high schoolish kind of stuff, but like when it gets, when it gets lazy is when you lose me. Mm -hmm. And so that like the, the PETA throwing scene lazy, you know, lost me. Even the scene of them entering the arena. Oh, sure. Lost me. Like there's just, it was peppered with these like moments that were just like, what were you, you could have so either made that look cooler or the you know done another p- performance that might have been better. What's funny is they made this on this one was seventy eight million dollar budget, which isn't a ton whenever you're considering all the world building that they're having to do. Tons of extras. They're building all these crazy sets. 
at a certain point you have to pick where's my budget going to go. And so to your point, like the entrance, whenever, you know, they're riding on the chariots and whatnot, those compositions aren't great. No, (laughs) not at all. I feel your pain there. It's one of those things that I just, overlook i'm like yeah i don't care but i'm also in love with how jennifer can you lawrence. not care <laughs> yeah you just you're just overlooking it because you're looking at jennifer lawrence yeah. in a beautiful dress like like I, i'm sorry but what's yeah. interesting is so this one was 78 million the next one was 130 million dollar budget the one after that 125 million and the one after that 160 million and so compared to the later films they were working with scraps with like half the budget of these other projects because the first one made almost half a billion dollars. So, God, that's yeah. crazy. That's domestic, like 400 million domestic, almost 300 million foreign, which is misleading because you don't make all that money in foreign people. The contracts are, you know, really tough to deal with. Mm. But yeah, so. Wow. So yeah, I take it you won't be watching yeah. the sequels? <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet the sequels are better. Some, some things so. Some I mean, don't. I've, I've, yeah. I've seen them, mm. but I don't remember them. Um, I mean, I, I'll just, I'll just say this isn't my style of film. I yeah. don't like it. I, so what I was doing, cause I knew I didn't like it and I wasn't going to like it. I was going through looking for things to like, mm. you know? And so whenever I noticed something that I didn't, it was very, uh, it, it's, it stood at a, as a reminder of this isn't my style of film, you know, like yeah. it just, not uh, yeah so yeah i mean i think uh because jennifer lawrence is amazing because lenny kravitz is amazing in it because the first almost half of it i really did enjoy and i felt you know immersed Mm -hmm. i would say i would give it a six and a half nice you know out of ten super generous yeah Yeah, i'm I'm being very generous and and you because you helped a a lot in your kuleshov effect explanation that, that kind of like opened up and, and then just talking to you about, you know, the symbolism of the, like the, the, Nazi, me- the Nazi metaphor, mm-hmm. um, which I saw and I noticed yeah. and it was obvious, but it really helped me. It really helped me to kind of like accept the, oh, okay, we are in a, a kind of a concentration camp scenario kind of thing where, you know, you, you really can't rise up, yeah. you know, they've done everything they can. They've done, they've already tried. Yeah. They've already, so they're beaten down. And so, so yeah, I, I kind of get that a little bit. Um, yeah. Anyway, nice. I'd say six and a half. Yeah, no, I think that's super generous. I'm probably at like seven and a half. I think this is a really, really well-made film. Uh, wow, given, that's low. Yeah. I mean, it's not a perfect 10 for me. I, because I still, yeah, uh, I didn't think you were going to get, well, I mean, I, yeah, and I can't quite give it an eight. I like a lot of the imagery. I love the characters. Well, I love Katniss and I love Haymitch and some of the capital people like Seneca Crane, I think is interesting. I don't think president snow is a very good villain. I think he's just a little too simple, but those three characters are really like everyone else is kind of, eh. but I got bored. Yeah. Did you get bored? Uh, I got bored like after the, okay, what are they called? The wasps? The Oh, the tracker jackers. The tracker jackers. <laughs> Sorry. I just don't remember all that shit. Um, I got bored after that. It, and it just really slowed. It, it reminded me, oh yeah, this is, this is a series of movies. They're, they're killing time here. That's kind of what I felt towards the end. Interesting. I, yeah. The other cool thing was seeing Amanda Stenberg um, doing her thing as Rue. Cause yeah. I've since seen her in, I don't know, 
a couple of movies that I'm like, man, she's a really fantastic actress. She was great as Rue. Like she has all these tiny little uh, mannerisms that betray the words that she's saying. And, and it's the ability to kind of read between the lines as an actor that really elevates your, your, you know, depiction of someone. And for her, like whenever uh, Katniss is asking, you know, how is, what about PETA? Um, she may not even say that she's like, uh, who's died. Um, and there's this, she never, Rue never looks at her. She's kind of grins to herself. Peter's okay. Like, <laughs> and it's all these little subtle mannerisms. But since then, she's done like everything, everything, uh, which is this little simple uh, mm-hmm. teenage drama. And I really love her in that. Um, she's done something else that I can't remember. But she was also in the Oscars. She was presenting during one of the films, one of the best pictures she was, uh, she, okay. was she was presenting. And like, I mean, she, it's cool to see her out there. And she has definitely grown up. And <laughs> she's not unattractive okay got it <laughs> but I, lo- I hope i just hope to see her in more projects because it's it's nice to see you know a great actress of color coming along and like yeah. man I, you just hope they get more opportunities yeah awesome very cool so <laughs> Fuck, this I'm week, sorry. <laughs> i am going to be recommending a movie called battle royale if you do like hunger games or maybe you don't this might be the right movie for you. <laughs> <laughs> so big because it's effectively the hunger games, but, but the, I don't know if it's Korean or Japanese, but it's the, it's a hard R rated version of the hunger games. And it's oh. so bloody and awesome. <laughs> like, wow. What's it called again? Battle Royale. Oh yes, man. I, yeah, I haven't seen it, which is what everyone's kind of taken from. Uh, now you have all these video games like Fortnite that do yeah. battle royale style, and yeah. that's all that's literally taken. I would assume from this movie, which you could say Hunger Games stole from Battle Royale, but then you could also say Battle Royale stole from uh, Lord of the Flies. Like it's just the evolving idea of throwing kids on an island and uh, seeing what they do to each other. And I don't know if anyone, maybe Lord of the Flies owns that. I don't know who would be before them. <laughs> Man, <laughs> before I haven't seen book. Lord of Fly- Flies in a long time. Oof, that's a yeah, I remember reading that book. It's an it's an interesting book. Uh, as a kid, though, I've read it as like a junior high student, and, and it stuck with me certain elements of that book. But yeah, the movie itself is oh. Uh, so I'm going to recommend. There's a few of these. Uh, I think there's I don't know. I think there's three now. But the first Ip Man, if you haven't seen it, I, I recently want, thought about it yesterday actually, and I thought, man, I want to watch that movie again. I've seen it three times already, and it's so so amazing. Uh, it is a. I'm not sure where it's streaming, but I'm pretty sure that it is streaming. But it's it's a almost like a doc about the uh, the teacher of uh, Bruce Lee. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, and just like his life and, and what happened to him, uh, throughout his life and how he became a master and, and you know, how he, it, it's told from the point of view of when he's an adult already. So it's not really how he grew up, but it's a beautiful story. And the, the man, the fight scene the choreography is oh, just yeah. off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Very cool. So stay tuned next week as we cover the final film in our mini series, uh, strong female leads, as we do uh, Million Dollar Baby. Yeah. 
Very fun. Don't forget to subscribe. Very fun. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe and review us if you haven't done so already. We really appreciate that. That's actually one of those things that really helps uh, get the show noticed by Apple and helps us surface so that more people can tune in and listen and recommend good movies for us to cover. And if you want to drop a note about this episode and weigh in on why Todd is right and i'm wrong or <laughs> vice versa probably vice versa <laughs> you can do so at the pestlepodcast.com slash the hunger games and we'll leave you with a quote of the day from george orwell political language is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable and to give an appearance of solidity to pure wind oh man <laughs> there's everything amazing about that if you have yeah. never read 1984, I mean, it took me a while to get through it, honestly. Because yeah. every, I mean, it, honestly, for the first half of the book, it feels like every single sentence is like that. Yeah. Where you kind of have to read it three times. Yeah. So you be like, oh my God, I, I, I think I agree. I, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I agree. Yes, I definitely agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy just how profound, you know, uh, his writing was. And maybe to some extent, like an instruction manual for governments. <laughs> yeah. Because it's so true. Like even in America, right? We used to have the war department and now it's the department of defense. Mm. So, you know, we're not attacking and killing anybody. We're defending ourselves. Yeah. And so there's all these, you know, naming conventions that politically is used to trigger a certain emotion within us. And that can be, man, that could be, you know, a whole podcast just about that idea and going through the variety of ways of how in everyday life this happens but specifically in governments throughout the world our own included um i would say we we need to be smarter to do that but a lot of interviews no (laughs) i don't think that we do there are plenty (laughs) plenty people who are not as smart who do that kind of stuff (laughs) absolutely we could easily knock out 50 episodes i mean without really getting into like you know what? Leave a message in the comments. Should we start a, p- a political podcast? An offshoot of the pestle? Or do you, the apostle. you really The apostle. I don't know. <laughs> but I love, the, I mean, George Orwell is so prescient, man. It's, yeah. it's really true. And I love, you know, obviously the Hunger Games and any dystopia uh, that I think is going to be good kind mm-hmm. of takes this idea into account um, because the, even the, the, the people, right? what are they called they're called tributes you're paying tribute mm-hmm. you know they're champions they're victors they're not victims yeah. um and so they're constantly in the film and in this world you know bouncing around in this idea everything is pageantry yeah. nothing is murder yeah it's crazy it's wow man good quote all right guys so thank you for joining us uh and make sure as wes said earlier to leave a comment subscribe review us all those things and share us as well with your with your friends or other people who like like movies or like other people's opinions on movies (laughs) Uh, and join us next week we'll be covering million dollar baby very much looking forward to that until then i'm todd i'm wes go watch some movies